A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 88. Your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of MLR Kickoff. Dan Power here alongside, as always, the professor, Pete Steinberg. And Pete, uh, after week seven, we have no answers on the East Coast. We have a clear front runner on the West. But uh, what happened? You told me after four weeks we would see who's who and what's going on and the East Coast is just a jumbled mess. First goes to six, six goes to first, and it's all over the shop. It's just incredible to watch. Well, I think that it's um, it's a question of consistency, Dan. I think teams don't have consistency. Um, and it's close enough that if you don't quite – there are very few teams, like the Giltini is the obvious one, that have a, like talent superiority. For all the other teams, you don't have a good game, you have a bad night's sleep, right? You turn up, you don't play as well, and – you know, you can lose the game. So I think, I think there is parity in talent. Um, and I think that's what, that's what's going on. And, um, you know, it was, it was a good weekend. What I liked about the weekend, Dan, there was a couple of things I liked. So one is four games. I was able to watch them all live, right. Pretty much, which was good. Um, none at the same time. That was, that was also good. So that meant that like on Monday and Tuesday, I wasn't scrambling to catch up on games um, uh, that I hadn't watched over the weekend. So Really like that, but you know, lots of uh, lots of good rugby to talk about. But it, for you and I, it was a family weekend. We you were taking care fun. of six sick kids, and I was taking care of birthdays. So yeah, and, and also doing some landscaping. I did, I did. Here's no travel tip. Here's my home, house and home garden. Uh, Chip and Joanna, tip of the week. Whenever okay. landscaping involving four tons of river rock. Pay the money and have someone else do it. Um, I still cannot feel below my left knee to my toes because of my sciatica from shoveling the rocks. And uh, a wheelbarrow is something that needs momentum. Do not stop when you've got a wheelbarrow full of rocks because you'll never get the thing going again and it'll fall over. So, Dan, I'm, 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 I'm coming up on my 50th birthday and I have absolutely learned that that's what you should do when it comes to heavy lifting. You should pay someone that's much younger than you to do it. I know you're younger than me, but I think you're learning that lesson on the fly. Yeah, I had the, I had the, the AirPods in. I was listening to music and I'm working away. I turn around. My wife is sitting on uh, one of her little fold-out reclining chairs, drinking White Claws with uh, three other ladies from the neighborhood. And I'm like literally just watching me work, doing nothing. And I'm just like, and help me, and- something. And and your your wife has left you this week, so you are on your own. Your your two kids are being well behaved, letting you do the podcast. Family tip for all married men out there: never get divorced. If you've got kids, it's miserable. Don't do it. 
being home alone with the kids 24 seven. Uh, so much respect for anyone who's a stay at home parent after this week. And it's only Tuesday. I've got all the way through Friday. <laughs> so much respect for you guys. So it's, it's weird because normally you'll get a little break for yourself, right? You know, you sit down, you take a breath. I've caught myself already in the first two days, Pete. I'll sit down and take a breath. I'm like, nope, got to go. I've got you no know, practice here. I've got to go to the grocery store. I've got to pick up dry cleaning. I'll do this. Oh, phone rings. It's my actual job. Oh, I've got to do this as well. And it's like, oh, I don't know how you do it. Are your oh. kids in school? Yeah, they are. They are. But, um, you know, obviously work as well, which takes yeah. up most of the time. So um, what I'm going to do to reward myself though, Pete, I'm going to go to shopmlr.com and I'm going to find myself uh, some new comfortable clothing so I can have a little spa day all to myself. Uh, probably this Sunday, nothing on Sunday, is there? Just kidding, all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day from MLR kickoff. I'll wait until the next Sunday, honey, I promise. All right, so that banter brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by the Rugby Shop. As always, great supporters of the show, and he knows I'm coming to him. I can see the anticipation building. What, what specials? Some Mother's Day specials? So I, I, I don't see any Mother's Day specials, but one of the things you can do for Mother's Day is that you can get your team's very own rugby ball at shopmlr.com. So you, you can go there, you can get a um, very nice replica match ball for any of the teams, um, and don't forget to use your shop MLR reward points when you make that purchase. That what a you're a smart guy. That's why, that's why I love having you on this I, show. Yeah, like, you know, there's no one that's more about points than me. So yeah, so, like I don't spend a dollar without earning a point somewhere. How you doing? How you doing on your point chase this year? Just totally how, on oh, your American like, like, Airlines no, points no, no. chase. So I was I was actually talking to a client today, and and you know he uh, for his family he goes to Florida to. Um, uh, for, because his kids do horses, they do horse shows. And so it's yeah. like every weekend for like months, he has to go down to Florida. And he's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm uh, like, I'm going to make titanium for Marriott. And I was like, oh, I made titanium um, in 2019. It's great because they extended it for the whole of 2020 and they extended it for the whole of 2021. Now, you don't really ever want to make titanium because it's too many nights. But if you're going to make it, having them extend it for two years, that's good. It was worth it. Yeah, three years out of the one. Good for you, man. I'll just keep hanging out with the gold club at Marriott. Thanks a lot, guys. No, no. All right, let's jump into the review. People are here for rugby, not to listen to us talk about hotels and airline travel. It was a big weekend. Like you said, four games, none of them overlapping, which was absolutely brilliant. And uh, I know the league is looking at doing that more often. It's just, I think, a facilities issue more than a, a league issue on that one. Let's kick things off. New England on the road to San Diego. Injury ravaged San Diego. They wow. cannot catch a break. They go down 33-17. New England get a great win on the road. Pete, your thoughts on this one? Well, I mean, this is some... So when we look at the stats, I think... I mean, this is a pretty interesting game because, you know, San Diego, for the history of MLR, has always been a very explosive team, right? They're a team that you would think about that, like, they would strike from anywhere, but that's not this San Diego team. This San Diego team is a team that takes a lot of possession. They need a lot of possession to be able to um, create uh, line breaks. So they, you know, in this game, they had 61% of the possession, but um, the Free Jacks really managed the uh, um, territory very well. But, you know, and you, and you look at the line break scores and you say, all right, well, San Diego had seven line, bra line breaks and the Free Jacks had 10, so that's pretty even, until you realize that pretty much San Diego had double the number of carries. So San Diego had 166, 
and the free jets only had 85. So the free jets are basically more than double as efficient in creating line breaks. And if we remember from last week, Dan, line breaks is one of the big indi indicators of your ability to score points. So, so then you say, all right, well, if they had 166 carries, like the defense of set of New England must be really good. And it absolutely was, right? They, they had 182 tackles that they made um, at an 87% tackle rate. So that's a lot of tackles to make uh, and was, um, was, was a big difference in the game. Why could they make those tackles, Dan? They could make those tackles because San Diego at the ruck was really slow. Why were they really slow? Well, they had Patrick Madden, who's really a fly half, all-American fly half playing scrum half. So his, um, he, like, it takes, you know, when people talk about um, fast rucks, all you have to do is look at like someone like Danny Tusatala and you can see he creates fast rucks by his ability to move the ball. And um, Patrick Madden in a tough position. And then, you know, Iglesias gets just cleaned out. Um, in, well, not cleaned out, just clean hit, but is off after six minutes. And then they've got Cecil Africa. I mean, so they had a, fly half playing scrum half and then they had a fullback playing fly half it, it, it was never going to be an easy time for them the only the, the big you know the only thing that really kept them in the game was their lineouts um and in particular their defensive lineouts the free free jacks really struggled in the lineout in the game and that's what um allowed san diego to kind of stay in touch throughout the game yeah ben mitchell uh doing a great job there in testing conditions uh Bjorn Besson as well, out on the wing there, um, still working really hard. Get get well soon, San Diego. That's all I'm going to say on this one is hopefully they can get some reinforcements because when they are at, at full strength, they're such a fun team to watch play. So get well are. soon. I, I Just one more thing because there'll be a theme today as we go through the games is, um, you know, um, Vili Tolotau who got his first start at hooker. Now he's, a, he's played a bit of hooker, in his time, but really is a flanker and um, New England are transitioning him. One of the reasons why they struggled in the lineup was having their less experienced hooker um, uh, starting. And as soon as they um, uh, brought on Jensen right after halftime, their lineups got a lot better. And we'll see there's three games where teams, I think, were able to pull away because they brought in a better thrower at hooker. And that change the game and this is the first one so it's, it'll be a bit of a theme down as we go through the games all right LADC this was part of the double header there at the Coliseum 47-17 LA continue to roll uh yet to have a game where they've scored less than 40 points it's quite an incredible run here for Los Angeles so Pete uh what do you think of this one well I mean you know so LA had you know some some great Long distance tries, um, really like they've got great players. John Ryberg is really like settling into that team. You can see he's beginning to see the space. But the thing that I like about LA, right? So obviously, the, and, and you know, I like watching them play. I mean, I, there's definitely sort of, there's a bit of a, I think a talent imbalance. I don't know how um, deep they are. So it's gonna be interesting to see um, as they go through the season, they're gonna have to stay healthy. But, you know, they are, a great team to watch on attack. But actually the thing that I think makes them a little special is they're really, really good on defense. So they had 148 tackles. They missed 11. That's a 93%, um, a 93% uh, tackle rate. That's very, very good. This is a team that isn't just a flash team with ball in hand, but they do the work on defense. Um, 
The one, you know, other things is they had a number of, they had 18 turnovers, so lots of turnovers for LA. I think that comes when you're trying to play that that kind of attack. You're going to drop the ball a lot, um, and, and they can do that. The, the thing that was interesting for me is that I've always seen, you know, where's LA's Achilles heel, and I've always thought it was maybe at the scrum on the line out. That's where you can really attack, but their scrum was, like, rock solid. Um, you know, J.P. Smith had, a, had a, like, a kick that led to a try, not bad for a prop. Um, but you know, was absolutely uh, um, rock solid in this game. And if they, get, you know, if their set piece continues to develop, I don't know that they've got a weak spot. Yeah, scary thought, isn't it? All right, mate. Moving on. Uh, this one was a good one. New York and Seattle, twenty-three twenty-one. New York come back to win a game they had absolutely no right to win, but somehow get it done. And this is again, you talk about a hooker, Dylan Force, it comes into the game. And turns the fortunes around almost single-handedly. So, what were your thoughts on this one? So, I mean, I I didn't think this was a great game. Um, it was close. It was physical, but I think both teams really struggled a little bit to kind of get into their their patterns. What I saw from Seattle, and you know, I've heard this is Alan Clark's first week on the ground up there. And I've heard lots of great things about what he's brought in terms of his attention to detail, obviously a very experienced professional coach. And you could see the attitude was different. You know, I've, I've, when, when you look at Seattle and you look at the seawall, right, what you see, you know, what you used to see was this really strong middle of the defense and they got that back. I mean, I think New York were trying to punch holes with their forward through the middle and the seawall was, sea was shutting them down right there didn't let them get any go forward, which meant when they moved the ball wide, they didn't have anything to go. So I thought, I thought it was um, an interesting game like Seattle. So I think Seattle's defense was improved. They scored their points primarily off mistakes. Right. And so, but those, that's what, that's how they won two MLR championships, right? Mm -hmm. A strong, strong set piece, strong defense and like living off mistakes. And so, you know, um, rugby United New York had 14 um, turnovers conceded. Right. So so that's where the mistakes were. And they struggled in the line out right up until Dylan Fawcett came in. I think Dylan Fawcett actually came in at flanker, but he was throwing and all of a sudden their line out was working. And that's what really allowed them to, to pull away. A um, couple of other thoughts. This team is different. The Seattle team is different with Shalom Sunula at 12. Just is like like he um, he launches the attack. Everyone runs better off him. Ross Neal had this breakout game that we've all, all thought about him. Um, so I think that, you know, Shalom Sunio, but also on defense, I think that he, he really leads that defense. The challenge is that they weren't able to generate fast balls. So one of the things I'm sure Alan Clark's going to look at is that body position of the forwards. They tend to be a little bit high. When you're going a little bit high, it's tough to get it to ground. When it's tough to get it to ground, it slows the ball down. So I think if Seattle can play a little faster at the breakdown, I think they've got some opportunities to actually kind of pull this thing off. Yeah, good to see him back at Starfire in Seattle too. Uh, limited capacity there, but they were pretty loud. So yeah, they were. Uh, some good news today. I think they're actually going to be able to have a vaccinated um, subsection in the crowd. So if you've got a vaccine, which would then mean no social distancing required in that area. So depending on how big that is up in the Seattle area, I'm not sure, but keep an eye on that. So hopefully get some fans back out there great fans we love our uh, seattle seawolves fans here on the show all right mate time for the professor's breakdown it was toronto you would think cruising to a win against new orleans up 14 nothing then 22 straight points for nola they come back and win it 22 14 at home 
a huge win for Nola Gold at the gold mine. What was your thoughts on this one? Well, well, Dan, I want to know what you thought when you looked at the uh, Nola Gold lineup. Ah, uh, because it was very different, right? So, but, but yeah, go, find me, find me a ten. Yeah, that's um, right. Find me a ten. That's yeah. And you know, credit to Carl Meyer. I know he came off with a head knock, but you know, he he did a he did a, and he's just a class rugby player, so he can step in and do a job. But when you're looking at like Matt Gitto, Jason Robinson, Dan Holland's head. You know, these guys around the league that are just controlling games at 10, you know, you don't want someone just to do the job anymore. It's not enough in MLR. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think think this was like just a really great gutsy win by Nola. Um, I don't think they necessarily played their best, but um, Nate Osborne, you know, made some changes. And, um, you know, Lachlan Kratzer outside center had a great game. you know, I thought I thought that was an interesting selection. Um, Devon Short maybe had his career game at number eight, like moving Cam Dolan to, to lock, which meant that the scrum suffered, but they became much more dynamic in the open field. I thought that was really good. Um, you know, I, th- I think that they did good. You know, this was a really interesting game. It was really close. So if you if you look, both teams were over 70 percent on game line made, which is good. Um, lots of turnovers, both both teams. It wasn't a great game. There was lots of drop balls. Um, so 14 turnovers by Nola, 17 turnovers by Toronto. Um, so the tackle percentage was the same. It was 86%, but Nola had 61% of possession and um, the arrows had to make double the number of tackles. So this was a game where, where again, this Nola, if you go back and you look at early MLR teams, you look at Nate Osborne's teams, they all score very quickly off first phase. That isn't this Nola team. This Nola mm-hmm. team has to wear teams down and when it wears teams down, then it then it's able to um, find some opportunities. So there's a little bit of a change in terms of um, how they they manage that. I thought it was um, you know so so Nola again had no line breaks off first phase, right? So Toronto had two, so they had to hold on to the ball and they had to be really really patient. Um, big changes here in lineouts. Neither lineout worked that well. Um, uh, the Toronto lineout was was bad for most of the game. The Nola lineout again, when O'Toole came in at hooker, all of a sudden their lineout started working, and that's what allowed them to 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 pull away. Uh, Toronto really really interesting. Um, you know that I think they tried to do a little bit too much. They scored, you know, a couple of really great tries. They looked really comfortable, but after they scored fourteen points. It looked like they took their foot off the gas. They struggled to get out of their 22. Like they spent almost 40% of the time when they were inside their 22, they tried to run it. And mm. that just isn't that, you know, it just, it felt like they thought they might just be able to, to um, you know, uh, get over it. But it, the, the lineouts are what killed them. They were just over 50% one in their lineouts. It's just, it's, it's just not good. And so, you know, that's, and of course, if your lineouts aren't aren't going well, what you can't do is you can't give away penalties. And they had some real problems with the referee. They had five penalties um, at the ruck. They had five penalties offside. They weren't listening very well. Taylor Adams got yellow carded. I think that was a really real critical part of the game um, because it meant they you know not only went down to fourteen, but they lost their ten. I think Spencer Jones stepped in. Um, you know, it 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 was it was not a great game by Toronto, and it was. You know, going into this game, if you had said which team was going to be more mentally tough, would it be Toronto? Would it be Nola? 
And I think many people would have said it was Nola, but they were really tough. They kept at it. They worked their way back and they basically won this game relatively easily. Like in the second half, Toronto had some real problems in the penalty with, with, with penalties. It was like just penalty, penalty, penalty. And that just allowed Nola to play territory, to get the ball in Toronto's half. And Toronto didn't really have much of a chance. Yeah, it was one of those, like, obviously, see, it's an eight-point game, but it's just once that tide turned there in the second half, Pete, you just, yeah, I was the same opinion. I'm just like, I don't see a road back here for Toronto. They just look exhausted. They look flat and just out of out of energy. And that may be something they have to deal with throughout the year because they're away from home. Obviously, technically, I know they're based in Atlanta, but they're on the road all year. There may be these weeks where you're just going to get flat Toronto. So, right. I had mean, a couple and, of great and, weeks and... And they had, like, Toronto had real problems um, at the breakdown. They lost a bunch, which is unusual for them. Um, they had handling errors. So Lucas Rumble had two handling errors. Montero had two handling errors. Um, Lesage had three handling errors. I mean, it was just, it was, um, it was just a real, like, you know, I mean, I mean, but this is sort of like, I think for Toronto, you can, you can understand it felt like a team that was like at the end of a long road trip that was mm. like running out of gas. That's kind of what it looked like in that second half. Yeah. Yeah, it did. All right, mate. Uh, we had a, a, obviously a, a big week with the four games and a lot of brilliant performances. None better judged by the MLR this week to be John Poland from the New England Free Jacks. Uh, the scrum half had a big game against the San Diego Legion. So let's bring him on in right now. All right, we are joined now by Week 7 Player of the Week for Major League Rugby, John Poland, scrum half from the New England Free Jacks. JP, uh, thanks for joining us, mate. Obviously, long-time fan, first time joining us. Um, how are you holding up out there, buddy? How was the trip out to California? Yeah, it was brilliant, actually. We got uh, we arrived on Thursday, so we had uh, an extra day, so we got to check out uh, Manhattan Beach, Venice Beach and stuff, and got to see the Giltinis game after, so it's pretty cool now to be in the Coliseum and in the sun in LA. So, do you, get, do, you get, do you get the baby oil on Venice Beach? You get pumped up oh, in the gym? Oh, nah, nah. I got burnt uh, playing the game in my face. So, definitely with my Irish skin staying away from the sun. Oh, beautiful stuff. All right. Let's talk a little bit about obviously you and your journey over to Major League Rugby. Uh, no surprise. Grew up in the Emerald Isle over in Ireland, uh, played over at Cook. Uh, with a couple other MLR players, actually, but we'll, we'll jump into that later. Tell us a little bit about how you found your way over to the Free Jacks last year, and then obviously, uh, was it a two-year deal, or did you re-up for this year as well? Um, yeah, so I guess started out in school in um, Prez and Cork, um, played all the ways up through school, uh, played Munster, underage, Irish underage, um, and then graduated um, Started in college in UCC, um, studying a finance degree and um, went into the Munster Academy for a year. Um, it was a bit of, I, it was a bit of a rocky road um, early on with, um, I didn't get picked for the Junior World Cup, but played in the Irish and 26 Nations and then um, got dropped for the uh, Junior World Cup, which is pretty gutting, um, but kind of taught me early on to be resilient and uh, have a bit of self-confidence or whatever. So basically after that, went back into preseason with Munster. Um, Anthony Foley, the coach at the time, gave me a call and asked me to come back in. So 
um, that was a good way to just get back on the horse and get back into it. Um, and then got an academy contract off the back of that. Then played a year in the cat, played two years in the academy, um, and then got a training contact track months or third year, and then basically just um, finished up a monster. Was finishing my degree, um, still had a bit of college to do, and I wasn't too keen. I was keen to just finish it and get it done with. Um, but at that point, I was kind of looking around. There was a few championship club offers and stuff, but I wasn't too keen to go there without a college degree. Um, without having finished it so yeah then out of the blue I was studying for my final exams and Conor Kindrigan texted me just asking me when I was done when I'd be done um, my final exams in college so that was basically the first message just that just before one of my exams completely threw me off track trying to study in the library asking me would I be interested in coming out to the States um, so yeah I managed to pass that exam and then a few months later I was out here and with the free jacks so was the plan for you always to be a professional rugby player was it one of those things that um you always wanted to be but you know obviously a smart guy degree in finance like you know is it is have have there been other areas that you've looked at and it was sort of like let me give it a go in the u.s and then i'm gonna go back and make a lot of money in dublin Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, no, I definitely always wanted to be a fresh rub car. I suppose coming up in Cork, um, I think first and foremost, I just kind of wanted to play for Munster. That was like, it wasn't really more, like it's more so that you want to play for Munster as opposed to being a professional rugby player because of the prestige associated with it and how highly everyone holds it in Munster. Um, but once that kind of was off the cards, um I'd kind of a bit fallen out of love with it, um, to be honest, for a small while. Um, so for for a minute, I wasn't too sure. I was in college, so it was easy to to just kind of take a step back and live the college life, I guess. But then once I realised that that didn't that was going to last forever, um, I kind of like can you, got can, back to rugby. Can, can you explain what the college life means in uh, in, in at UCC? Because it might be different <laughs> in the states. So um, yeah, no, I wasn't like going out every week or going out every day or anything like that. It was still playing um, senior rugby in Division One A for UCC, so still a lot of practicing and games stuff. But I think it was just mainly this the mental side of it, just taking a step back from the pressure and going in every week and having. Um, I guess like when you're a squad player, like going in every week to training knowing you're not going to get picked or that every week kind of hoping you're going to be on the team sheet and you're, when you're not it's pretty gutting um, I think a lot of guys find it hard but obviously don't get the same attention that guys who do get picked would get um, so I kind of like was a bit uh, beaten up I guess after a few years of playing having all the hopes and dreams and I suppose of not really materialising so but when I took a step back and when this came up I kind of just gave me that second lease of life and it was an opportunity that I really was excited about and like something that I thought I'd really enjoy and had that nice balance of pressure but also the opportunity to do something good and actually go out there and play and show what I'm made of I suppose. Now you had um, a great shortened season last year I mean I think you're one of the leading try scorers scores in major league rugby so talk a little bit about you know first of all you probably stepped off the plane it was probably pretty cold 
I would guess, yeah, when you sure. first, <laughs> first came in. Um, and, and I've actually, so I've coached at Cork Constitution, Dan, and my experience of Cork Constitution was warming up um, and it being like this beautiful evening and there's not a cloud in the sky, going into the changing rooms, getting changed and coming out and it being horizontal sleet. It was like, it's, it's, and then, and then like halfway through it's beautiful sky again. So um, <laughs> you don't quite get that, but you do get the cold weather. So talk a little bit about your first experiences coming over, um, coming into Boston. And I mean, obviously a very, very different environment. Like you'd been involved in Munster for years. So this must've been a, a pretty big change. So talk, talk about some of your first impressions when you first got off the plane. Yeah, so when I first got off the plane, yeah, it was. It was freezing. It was like minus 20 degrees or something. I was. Well, I remember walking down a uh, street with Josh Larson. I'd just come over and he, me and him were going to a Bruins game. I remember walking down the street and the wind was coming towards us and we had to walk down the street backwards because our faces were just <laughs> literally sore from the wind. It was that cold. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a new experience. But seeing all the snow and stuff was quite nice. I suppose back home, we're not used to seeing that much snow, more, more so just rain and sleet. Um, so it was pretty picturesque. And then training indoors helps, definitely. I think we were training in a bubble, so it was never that cold. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty different setup to Monster when I came over, I suppose. It was just a bit like a bit less intense. Um, it was still like definitely a step up from club rugby, but... Um, there was a real mixture of players. Like you had some unbelievable players. Then you had some guys who were just fresh, new to rugby or like still learning a lot about the game and only picked it up a few years ago. But there were so many guys with loads of potential and talent that it was a real cool balance to kind of like have these guys that, like I suppose people even like Jackson Thieves or a second row, a guy who's playing class again this year, but like someone who's pretty new to rugby, but like has so much potential to be unbelievable and just so keen to learn and, get better and I suppose um, they're real positive and it's just a different environment I feel like you can feel like I can add a bit more here because help guys uh, get a bit better and also challenge myself against these guys who are coming over from overseas and are serious talents as well it's it's pretty reinvigorating and also puts a little bit of perspective too when you, you get into that environment doesn't it where the enthusiasm and that's something that most people who have come from countries outside the US say the enthusiasm and and the thirst for knowledge here is just un you know unquestionable and that's what a lot of the coaches have noticed too like you've got a great coach this year in Ryan Martin how has that been the transition you had Josh Smith last year for five games how's Mardo been and um, you know what what was that obviously your first connection with him like and, and what have you picked up from him yeah, he's been unreal, actually. Yeah, he's um, didn't really know what to expect coming in. I hadn't um, had any dealings with him before preseason or anything, but uh, no, he's been really good. He's uh, really focuses on small skills and um, focuses on. He's got this like shape that we're playing. You know, he doesn't like calling it a shape, but it's basically a shape. But uh, <laughs> so you're translating got... what Brian says. <laughs> Into your language, he's like, it's not a shame. Yeah, exactly. Okay, got it. Exactly, yeah. But uh, no, he's got us playing really exciting rugby. And I suppose yeah, we haven't seen too much of it yet, just with the games, the way they've been, because of um, the weather conditions in a lot of games, just kind of either really windy or balls hard to handle and stuff. But like, he's got some really uh, progressive ideas. He does a lot of um, analysis and like really prepares us really well for games. And 
has us going into the games knowing where opportunities are going to be and how to execute them, then it's kind of just on us to actually follow through and do it. Um, but every game so far, he's definitely set us up to win um, and put us put in a lot of he puts in a load of work in the behind the scenes, um, doing analysis, like just chatting to guys and like he really watches everything in depth and like really gives everyone um, a lot of feedback on where they're going right and where they're going wrong. Um, and he's been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, and now, he's a good he, man as well. He's a good crack. He's he's he is a good man. Have you? He gets the Ted Lasso, but I got a better one for you. Have you seen Deadpool two? No, you no, haven't no, seen no, Deadpool. So, so JP, welcome to my world. Dan's <laughs> constantly saying there hey, is a character in Deadpool like two called Peter. And hang on, let me let, look. Can you? Oh, let me see if I can get this up. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> <I> can see <laughs> it, mate. You got to watch Deadpool two. Peter, the skydiving scene. You know, mm, he loves nicknames, so yeah, you might have to go. And, and, and uh, Ryan Reynolds has a nickname, but I can't remember. It's something bear, I don't know if it's P Bear or Peter Bear or, or Cuddle Bear <laughs> or something for that, but you have to start ripping into him at training about that 100%. His nicknames for all of us, so it'd be nice to get him back with a good one. <laughs> so, so JP, I have, I have a couple of uh, like as a former scrum half, love watching you play. Um, what's your trick on being such a big try scorer? Uh, I don't know. I think Puasa Juan Guinabo was definitely um, one guy who's giving me a hand anyway. He's giving me a few soft ones, ones that he could probably run over himself, but it's throwing back into me. So I've him to thank for a few of them. The forwards as well. I think they've given me a pretty good platform to just play off um, that mall I scored off and the scrum this weekend, I guess. Two examples of just like they're pretty much doing all the work and I'm just getting over the white line and finish it off, basically. But I think, yeah, just like, I don't know, backing myself close to the line to beat someone and then also just trying to stay upfield and get good support lines off the lads. Because I know they're going to break the line a lot of the time. Lads like Dougie Five, Wax, they're going to use their feet and get in behind. So. And then, and then, you know, we've talked a lot on the show and as a coach, when I watch, I, I um, you know, to me, it's, sort of like there's a tight head prop that you need to have and then it's really about the 9-10 combination so can you talk a little bit about how you and Harrison Boyle have like connected and how you guys work together and in particular give us a little bit of insight about kind of like you know what you guys do on the field what you guys do in terms of prep around attack and and, and how you guys communicate as you go through the game uh yeah Harrison Boyle um so I only kind of met him whatever, two weeks, three weeks before our first game. So it was kind of, the first game was a bit um, a bit of still feeling it out or whatever, but since then, we're living together in this house, so we've got to know each other well. Um, he's a good man. He's, uh, he's a good laugh. He's a typical Kiwi. He's pretty laid back and just loves slagging, loves going out, and he's um, really easy going, especially for a 10, which is kind of uncommon because a lot of times they're pretty pretty safe, sure JP. what they want and just say it you can yeah. say it. It's, a, it's a safe it's a safe place <laughs> nah, he's, so nah, he's, he's not he, talking about his 10 right yeah, like, yeah, you definitely say it when you're not talking about your 10 he's kind of yeah. talking about the other 10s back in Ireland that you played with but yeah okay. exactly yeah. <laughs> no nah, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't give out to me when I throw him dodgy passes along the floor or over his head so that's a good thing um but no nah, he's uh he's a really laid back player and he's um 
someone like I get on with really well off the pitch, so it makes it a lot easier. Um, so we can just have those like small conversations off the pitch or like just in between in between phases, like when there's a break of play, we just be kind of having small conversations, just about small things. Um, but he's got a real good um, feel for the game and he's good. Like, I think we both be pretty tactical with our kicking and stuff. So first few games, we were kind of feeding it out. But now I think we've got a, a good feel for it and when I should kick, when he should kick. We don't even like necessarily need to say it as much as kind of more we know who's who's going to kick in which positions or when to give him the ball fast or when to slow it down. And he's um, he's a really good player. He's called a red shark. Um Amongst us lads, but nah, he's 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 pretty class to be fair. And he's only twenty one, um, so he's pretty young. The so red, for, the red, sh- the red shark, the red shark. Yeah. What? what what's that? I get the red thing. Obviously, that's kind of easy one to pick up. But why the shark? I'm he not give sure. that to himself. He's I think he gave the, it to himself. Yeah. The, the great red shark. Has he got to that level yet? Or he's no, just like definitely the, not. Just the red shark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's, let's talk. Let's talk about the weekend. Uh, San Diego, obviously a huge game for you guys. Big road trip. Um, you know, it's kind of been up and down with the season so far. Put together a couple of wins and running some win-loss kind of pattern there. What was the game plan coming in? What did you see uh, in the in the contest yourself personally and as a team and what were you looking for from San Diego? Um, and then just your general thoughts on, on the performance overall. Um, yeah, so... Going into it, I think um, we knew they were kind of um, had been on the road a bit, had been kind of um, hit by a lot of injuries and stuff. So we knew they were it's probably a good time to play them because a lot of the time they have a serious team and serious depth. But I think they were a bit thin this weekend. Um, so it was a good time to play them, um, chatting to Ben and stuff. And I think just tactically, we saw that. Um, they kind of um, they play pretty deep off the edge and stuff with their ten. Um, and I think when South Africa went into ten, it kind of showed he was playing. They're playing pretty deep, so we thought we could get a bit of line speed on them and try refresh them with our defence this weekend. And um, I think we kind of did do that. Uh, we kind of cut them down at source and tried not to let them get into their shape too much. And just after two passes, we were trying to hoping to get up and hit man and ball. Um, and then an attack. We were just trying to. We knew they kind of played um, with two guys in the backfield, so we're trying to move the ball to width, and then it, we didn't actually do it in the game, but we knew that they closed late, so we kind of look at the kick space in behind, um, mm. with little um, grubber kicks in behind and stuff. We did it once or twice, but um, we were just looking to shift the ball a bit. But mainly, we were kind of focused on ourselves, um, trying to get into a bit more phase play. We haven't um, gone to too much phase play yet, and. Um, I feel like once we get into phase play, once we play quick tempo game, we're pretty dangerous. We've got a, a lot of ball carrying threats all over the pitch, um, especially in our back row, our centres and our back three. Yeah. So we're kind of just looking to get them on the ball, really. Um, and we knew once we gave them the good quality ball, um, fastball as well, we were kind of that was another thing we were working on, getting our breakdowns a bit quicker because it had been a bit slow. Um, so we were just trying to pick up the tempo and move them about a bit. Yeah. All right, mate. Um, quick question. How many times has Vian Conradi watched his hit on the glaciers? <laughs> we're in triple oh, figures. Yeah. That's yeah. He's, yeah. It was, that was massive. Jesus. I was watching. I was like, Oh my God. 
I'm I mean, just you, nev- you never want to see someone hurt, but when it's a good, strong legal tackle, yeah. the guy leaves the field, <laughs> you get pretty pretty pumped up. So Yeah, I asked him, man, afterwards, I said, are you all right? Um, just trying to be nice. And he was like, nah, I'm, I'm absolutely effed. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> Not much I can say. <laughs> so this coming week is a big matchup for Dan because... Um, you guys are playing the Gilgronies, and you may not know this, but Dan yeah. is... Yeah, I actually signed with fan. Austin this week, so I'll be playing against you <laughs> starting starting at 10. Tell the Red Shark, you know, there's a little, I'm coming for him. So, uh, so, so, so yeah, to be fair to Dan, he's, he's a big man. Um, I think that if Harrison got directly in front of him, Dan could tackle him. But if he's more than an arm's length away, I think he's probably safe. I think even <laughs> half, an arm, half an arm's length at this point... No, no, no. But it's it is a big game because Austin they're on a tear, right? JP and they're, they're four in a row. This is a tough trip for them, though. They haven't really been tested on the road. You guys uh, have a win against Utah at home, so you're back home again after another little road stretch here. What are you thinking coming into this one? Yeah, I'm just really looking forward to playing a game at home. Actually, um, played our first ever game at home against Utah. And uh, we only had, I think it was 1,500 fans, but it was uh, it was class. The atmosphere was unbelievable. The fans are really getting into it and giving uh, Utah a bit of stick, uh, which is always good. Um, so, yeah, I was really looking forward to playing here again in Boston. Um, should be hopefully a nice, nice day. And, yeah, Austin coming off the back of four wins. Uh, one of my good mates actually plays for them, Ned Hudson. He's playing 12 playing pretty well as well um so i'll be looking forward to catching up with him but uh they are a serious team they've got some serious depth as well they've got a lot of international i think they're three former all blacks so i mean it's yeah. definitely not be no easy task frank halai who am i and forgetting um, isaac ross, ross yeah. Is yeah yeah he's, so, he's been yeah. great too yeah they have a pretty serious team so i think we're just yeah Playing at home, I think, should gives a bit of an advantage, hopefully. So, all right. Well, you, you told us before you live in a house with about ten teammates. So, mm. um, let's do a little bit of Q and A about your teammates. All right? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. No. Let's go. Now, I'm happy to throw them under the bus. No one on your team listens to the show, so you're totally safe to say whatever you want. You can speak <laughs> freely here, and uh, we will edit out anything that you don't want. We'll edit it out like after about four or five days of it going live. If, if there's backlash, <laughs> but, all right. Um, this is always this is always a favorite one of mine to find out like who I need to start following on Instagram. Who who is the Instagram hero, and then the Instagram zero on the free jacks? Oh, I think Kenny. Dougie's Kenny doesn't count because Kenny Kenny's Kenny got the entire country following yeah. him. Yeah, I can't. I think we've gone down this one before with Kenny and but most of my stuff is in Japanese anyway. So I always <laughs> vote in his polls. And then Japanese. <laughs> Do you know what you're voting him. on or you just click one? Nah, just to mess with him. No oh. idea what I'm voting for. Uh I'd say Dougie Fife might win it. He went to him and Seth, they went to the Red Sox game recently and spent something like $150 on two Red Sox jerseys just to get an Instagram in it. So I think that was pretty pretty low point i mean i mean couldn't you just like go into the store put it on take a picture <laughs> and hang it back up 
That's what I was thinking. <laughs> we went and we spent about $100 just getting there and on the burgers and on the beers. We were like, no way. So, yeah. yeah I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm a Red Sox fan. Been to Fenway many times. It's a cool place. There's a lot of cool history there. Mm. It's a, it's a yeah, cool it's place. Class. You kind of like smell the history. It kind of feels feels like uh, so. So I'm glad you guys are experiencing that. All right, I'm yeah, gonna go. Class. I'm gonna go back a little bit. I'm gonna give you free jacks, teammates, a little rest here. When you were at Munster, who? What was the most starstruck you ever were? Like, who walked in at Munster and you kind of had to stop yourself and be like, "Oh my god!" Like that's that's so and so. Oh, probably Connor Murray. To be fair, he was always like a lot of time he'd be away with international camp, or I think it was when he came back from the Lions. I was just like, "Geez, he's pretty class." Did you do you kind of measure yourself though when you're there against that guy? You're like, oh, I got him covered. <laughs> no, nah, not really, because I don't think I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, dude, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't play for the free jacks, does he? So yeah, suck nah, that, nah, suck exactly. that, Connor. Yeah, yeah. no, All he's right. class. He's a real nice guy, but he was based in Limerick, and I was based in Cork. So I think the Cork guys, like Peter Romani and stuff, were kind of Z boy, yeah. probably chatted to a bit more. So, but when I met when I was training with Murray for the first few times, I was like, oh my God. I, this guy's hey, I, I, I see a guitar there just over your right shoulder, buddy. You want to grab nah. that for us real quick? What Come do on. you got for us? Play us a little song? Nah, nah. No, no, no. Look, look, you can't have the guitar and an accent in America for the girls. You got to do it. Not this. show it. You got to no. not show us. I'm afraid I can't. Can you play a little uh, fa fairy tale in New York from the Pogues? Just give it a little strum mm. for us. Oh, I definitely can't play that. Come on, what do you got for us? Oh, I'd rather not. <laughs> oh, John, this is this is you can catch Dougie Fife on Instagram. That's how this show has a lot of reach. Yeah, I'd rather rip the lads out than myself. Oh, okay. oh, cool. Like Look, did you hear that, Dan? He said he would rather rip the lads out <laughs> than play the guitar. All right, so, Pete, you line it up. What do you got okay, for him? All right, so, um. You know, I always, I always like this one. Like you're on the East Coast, so you know you might get a number of road trips, right? Yeah. You have to drive down to DC, New York, or whatever. Um, which of the teammates that you live with are you absolutely not going to be in the car with, and why? Like you know, uh, I am Harrison Boyd, probably. Well, you just said he was such a nice, laid-back guy. Yeah, he is. But when he's in the car, he always does this thing with his teeth, like. Uh... Oh, a little, yeah, this a little. Thing with the, system, the only, my granddad is the only other person who does that. He like sucks his teeth or something. Oh, uh, we've, we've, we've got John on a roll now. Anything to not play the guitar. Anything. So yeah. You're driving. There's three seats. So Boyle's in the front. We don't want him there. Who, who else don't you want in the back seat now? Um, there's a few. There's a lot of backseat drivers. Um, they're always piping up on any anytime there's a parking space free or something. We have a few vans and driving them is a nightmare. But um, who's the worst? Puasa Wilkinabo, he's definitely one of the worst. You know, he's always telling me to do to go this way, go that way, go down one way streets, and I'm like, mm, I can't go down there. Or the stop sign, he just wouldn't even. I, I have another one. I have another one for John. So. Um... Like looking at your background, it looks like you might be quite a neat guy. Like, like your place looks. Oh, quite... relatively. Yeah. Who who isn't? 
who's the really messy guy, the guy that leaves pots and pans in the wash, like his socks and oh, underwear yeah. lying on the floor. Who's the guy in the house that's like really like the messy guy? Yeah, there's two of them. Well, one was Aiden Barry. He's actually gone home now. He's, he was just uh, here with us for preseason. Um, and he got young. picked up. His brother is Connor Barry. I think he plays. <laughs> no, not quite. Not quite. He, uh, his brother is Connor Barry. Um, play, I think he plays at New Orleans. Um, but he was over right. here with us for preseason training. He was living with us. He definitely wins that award, um, being a 20 year old kid and definitely still in that college mind frame. And then the second one is Harry Barlow. He's kind of taken over the mantle from Aiden since he's left. And a lot of the stuff that we blamed Aiden for seems to be probably Harry. <laughs> <laughs> he won't All appreciate right. that. Last, last one, we're going to let you off the hook. So Mags has, has come down with a really bad case of uh, gingivitis and he, he's <laughs> out. He has to stay home for four weeks. He says to you, I need you to sign three players. Uh, MLR, anyone in the MLR is, is able to be signed. You've got three players. Who would you bring to the Free Jacks? They've got to be in the MLR in this year. Oh, that's a tough one. Jeez. Um, well, Andy Ellis, I probably sign him. He's pretty. Okay, okay hold it. You're signing. You're benching yourself. You're replacing yourself. <laughs> pretty much. Okay, all right. So Andy Ellis is well. I played the last 20. He'd come off after 60. Yeah. Um, uh, no, he, but Andy Ellis' class is um, obviously loads of experience and seems to be in a good bit of uh, coaching and stuff as well with New York. And their attack's pretty good. So he's definitely one. Uh, Matt Giddle will probably have to be another one. There goes Harrison Sorry, Boyle. See ya. Yeah, me and Harrison. Both Stop sucking your teeth. <laughs> yeah, that's why. No, Mackie, obviously unbelievable. Um, no explanation needed there. Um, and then Ned Hudson, just because you're friends and you want to hang out with him. Yeah, he's a legend, to be fair. That's 9, 10, 12. 9, 10, 12. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so Alecky's nice. gone. Alecky, Harrison, <laughs> gone. himself. Yeah, two of us are gone. Well, they're impact That's, subs off the bench. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can be on the bench. 21, 22, 23. There you go. All Sorry, right, all right JP, we appreciate you staying up, mate. We know it's late out there. I love the IKEA mirror too on the other side of the guitar. Looking good. Good to see you. <laughs> You're supporting our, our friends over in Sweden. But uh, stay safe. Looking forward to the game this week and against Austin. Um, hopefully a successful year and the Free Jacks looking like you're in a pretty good position on that East Conference if you can keep winning. So I appreciate you joining the show and uh, hopefully catch up soon, big man. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks, man, for having me. That's good to chat. And yeah, you know, what what a what a dude! What a great dude! Good little player, um, loving what he's doing up there. That combination between him and Harrison Boyle is, has minus the teeth sucking thing. It's been pretty harmonious, and it's 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 evolving every week, Peter. They look more and more comfortable together. Yeah, I I agree, and and you know I think what was interesting, and we hear this a lot from a lot of the um, young guys that come from overseas that have professional contracts, which is it's 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 a grind. Right. It's a grind to be the third choice, you know, fly the scrum half for Munster, never getting a chance to play. And they come over here because they see this as, you know, it's sort of like the traditional American setup. You know, the MLR is the land of opportunity. Come over here, play good rugby, get a great experience and fall in love with the game again. I mean, Dan, I don't know the number of times we've had 
um, guys from overseas on our show that have talked about how MLR has helped them, you know, and the American enthusiasm for the game has helped them fall in love with the game again. But I think John, John Ponen is one of those guys. Absolutely. All right, mate, let's jump into the professor's lab here for MLR tactics. Now, you want to look at the line out today, and that's been a big talking point, especially with this Los Angeles side. Do a deep dive for us here, buddy. What do you got? Well, I mean, I think we've known for a couple of years that the line out has been a, an important source of possession when it comes to scoring tries. I mean, when hookers like Dylan Fawcett are leading the league in try scoring, you know it's going to be for the line out. But I think in particular, this year seems to be um, a a uh, um, uh, an opportunity. So even if you, so, you know, just overall on average, right, about half the tries in MLR come from lineouts. Mm-hmm. And you would say, okay, well, let's, you know, that's, you know, th- there's got to be some teams that are sort of boring, right, that can't score, that score from lineouts. But you know who leads that, Dan? Who? All right. So the leading team in lineouts is the Free Jacks. 73% of their penalties come from the free jacks, come from the lineups. Second place, the Giltinis. Oh. 58% of their tries come from lineouts. So, so to me, well, I saw that and I was like, okay, what's going on here? Right? You've got a team that can score from anywhere. What's going on? And there's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy that happens when you start using stats. Stats is a big part of the game in rugby. People look at them and they're like, hey, how am I supposed to score? And they say, hey, I'm supposed to score from lineouts. Therefore, whenever there's a penalty, right? You can see it all the time. People are not taking the points. What they're doing is they're kicking to the sideline, to the touchline, and they're taking that line and they're driving it in because it's such a good source of possession, right? So you end up saying, you know, really you should kick for points but people aren't doing it. And I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because in, in, you know, because the line out efficiency is so high, people are taking it. When a little bit better defense, it would change the equation um, significantly. So I actually think that what we're gonna see is I think this is probably the peak of the line out as being the source of possession because we're, we're at the point now that teams are making adjustments, right? You know, we talked about four or five weeks getting in you've got those four or five weeks you've got to be able to find ways to be able to sort of like implement what you do and we're now at the point where people are like all right now we can learn about how we're playing and now we can start making adjustments and when it comes to the lineouts, there's a couple of different ways you can defend so you can defend in the air which is means you can go up and challenge the throw and it frustrates the hell out of me you've got a team that's like struggling in the lineouts, they're winning 50% of their lineouts, like, like, you know, the hooker can't throw a barn door and a five meter lineout and all of a sudden the defense doesn't contest and they give the hooker the free throw. I'm like, 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 and you can contest and defend, right? And so there are strategies that, you know, you can get, get up, contest, but then you have to have that secondary position of, de- of, of defending the drive or you can stay on the ground and you can defend. In any of that defending of them all, Dan, you've got to make sure that you've got three points of pressure, right? So you have pressure at the back to prevent it going forward and you need pressure either side to prevent the all from rolling from one side to the other. Normally, right, you can do, you, you know, if you can have two guys locked out at, at the base, 
right? And one guy either side, right? And you can stop them. That, that'll probably hold them. Remember, all you have to do is really stop them once and then they're probably going to do it. And so you work really hard to get, put those four players in that position. And then you have two more that are there for support. And then you leave two more forwards out either side to defend the edge, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really the challenge. The challenge is, you know, and, and the lineout's a great source of possession around the world, but the challenge is there are eight forwards that are driving in the more on attack but the defense can't defend with eight because if they defend with eight, there's too much space around the edge. So you'll often see the hooker and the flanker out, making sure the scrum half or the the, the hooker at the back can come around. So I think this might be the peak because I think teams are going to start working on that. It is hard to work on line out defense because it's an attitude thing. It's hard to do that in the middle of the season. You're not doing a huge amount of contact, but I think we might see people trying to spin them all early We've seen some people trying to, you know, get them to drive towards the sideline, right? Mm-hmm. So you put more players on the, on the middle, that begins to turn. You can just start pushing them to the sideline. Um, I think that's good. The, the other thing I would say is the lineout is a great attacking platform um, to score, but it's a really terrible attacking platform to get into your face play because all eight forwards are on the floor. You have no shape. And there was a couple of instances, and I think it was New York um, against Seattle, they had a really good line out in the middle of the field and then it stalled and then they, they didn't know what to do. Like, like, cause they like, they, there's no structure there. They tried to hit a, a center in the middle. I think they may have dropped the ball, something like that. So the line out more, you, like you've got to make sure that you know what you're going to do if it doesn't work. That's why you get the big bucks, professor. Who's, get, who's got content? Who's got content better than us? Yeah. But I wouldn't listen to any other show except yours, Pete. You're the man. Oh, yeah. Love it. Thanks, man. You, I, I only listen to your show and James Patterson's. Yeah, dude. Tell you, let's give him a shout out. JP and Pat Clifton. Yeah, they're doing love, a great inside job. Inside the Ruck. Yep. Great stuff. Great I love show. it. Diving into some stuff there. So keep it up. Uh, Big Pat and, and JP as well. I can't call him Big Pat anymore. He looks amazing. He looks svelte. Looks like he's he ready does. to rock and roll. So... Keep up the good work, gentlemen. All right, let's get into this weekend's games. We have six, six, that's right, count them, six games this weekend, starting Saturday, 4 p.m. Houston on the road at the gold mine against NOLA, AT&T Sportsnet in Houston, CST down there in NOLA, the rugby network everywhere else. Also, at the same time, will be Austin at New England, KBVO in Austin, NESN up in New England, and TRN, the rugby network everywhere else. Uh, Saturday, 7 p.m., Atlanta at Toronto, at Atlanta. That's right. Got to figure <laughs> that one out. TRN and TSN up in Canada. Uh, this is a late one. Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern, D.C. at Utah. Uh, that'll be a great game, actually. That one's going to be on Fox Sports 2. L.A. is at New York. This is going to be a big test for L.A. That's a, that's a heck of a road trip. I know they've gone to New Orleans before and got it done against Toronto, but... LA to New York. I've made that flight before, Pete. Have you? Yep, I have. It's it's a doozy. I've made that flight from LA to New York and New York to LA. And I know which one I'd rather do. So, um, and that it's New York to LA is the one you'd rather do because you want to be gaining time, not losing it. That's right. Yeah, it's it's tough. All right, that one's Bally Sports uh, West, MSG and TRN. Sunday, 8 p.m., San Diego, Seattle, Fox 5 in San Diego, Root Sports in Seattle, TRN, everyone else. All right, it's time, folks. You've been waiting patiently. Here he comes. Stat Boy is coming in to give us an update on the MLR Pick'em. 
And I think it was a good week for, yeah. I'm up two points. I'm up Everyone had a decent week. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, great great game uh, this week for Pete uh, against the field. He he moved up. Uh, I mean, he went from the basement in uh, in a week to uh, up to, to to thirty five. So that was really good. Uh, shout out to listener Myonic for you know doing the best in the pool. He won the yellow hat, and yep. uh, then obviously uh, scary Larry Rugby and gorgeous Dan are duking it out at the top um at first and second uh well i think i I think the only way i'm going to get back back on this is if i pick a couple of games that i'm like it's definitely going to be this team that's going to win and i'm just i just have to select the other team did you go for nola on the weekend no i went for toronto you here's the funny thing you went for nola in the picks i know yeah and then i saw right i saw the roster yeah Yeah. me too i was like "Mm." i mean i mean you know, I, I, one thing we didn't talk about in uh, um, for that Nola came is, is Damian Stevens, and you know coming off off the bench, but that guy plays fast, right? I mean, he's he's, he's got a zip on the pass, and saw him, saw Kalmai. I'm like, all right. I mean, betting in in the first game, this is good, you know. So yeah, yeah, I picked it here. I'm, I'm telling you, I just need to go against what I think, and all I right. think better. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put a bit of parody into this now. Um, Aaron, you're going to run through the pickems, the six games, so Pete doesn't feel like I'm holding something back from him and, and cheating him. No, 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 no. There's We're something else that what I else? talk about. You guys talked about Lachlan Kratz. Uh, I had a chance to talk to both Ryan Fitzgerald and Nate Osborne this week. And the interesting thing, so I didn't know this. I don't think a lot of people knew this, but so he has a U.S. passport, U.S. citizen, born in San Diego, uh, grew up like spent most of his life obviously in Canada, but um, so when Nola was having training camp, he just flew down there and like what? literally like walked walked on and was like, "Hey, I'm trying out for your team." Love that. I love those and, stories. And, and he, so and he made the team obviously, and then something I know because stuff I do with MLR is that he was it was going to be his first game, but. He was going to be on the bench. And then about an hour beforehand, uh, uh, he gets informed that he's starting in place of JP Duplessis, who was right, um, late scratch. To play, and he was a late scratch and went out and did that. Yep. Made, made, made a team of the week, right? Yep. Yep. I love it. I love it. Uh, it's great, right? Like, look, I mean, you know, we you know there's always a, a lot of chat i mean I, I i follow the mlr stuff on reddit there's there's some good discussions on there but you know there was a recent discussion on there about the international slots right and it's sort of like are there too many international slots are there not you know enough international slots all this sort of stuff and i think you know there are players out there from canada and from the us that can play mlr but you can't sit back and be like come get me Right. And so like someone who puts their hand up, flies down and says, Hey, I'm going to make your team is like, like that's, that's how it works. Right. And, and even if it doesn't work the first time works the second time. And now this guy is on, um, you know, team of the week. So great, great story. Yeah. Take control of your destiny. People go get after it. Don't be a victim. 
That's I'm one of the things I, 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 you know, teach. I, I don't say don't be a victim, but really it's like, like I teach that to my clients in the corporate world. Don't be a victim. Like speak yeah. up, take control. Get after it, take control, be happy. Go to NOLA, take your shot. You only get one shot, one opportunity. I, I have to spaghetti, say, I, vomit I, on you. I, I have to say sure. that like, if, if you're going to go somewhere, that the people like open like places like Nola and Utah and I think Atlanta are places that like you turn up with a little bit of some pedigree they'll probably take a look at you, um, you know and and I think you know not every team I think Seattle probably would do that too but not every team would be you know that that open I think New England um, you know but but Nola in particular is like you know they're they're great at, you know looking for young North American talent. All right, let's do the pickums, Houston. At Nola, what are you thinking here? Well, I, I think Nola's going to win, but should I pick Houston? Well, it's up to you. you this is why you go first. I mean, Houston, Houston's on a bye, right? Nola came off a big win. Um, Houston's been playing some good stuff. Um, it's, at, it's at Nola. Nola on this big, like, homestand, right, before they go on, the, like, they've got a lot of road trips coming up. Um, Houston should be fresh. They've been playing good stuff. Um you know, Nola haven't played their best. It was a gutsy win, but I don't think they played their best. They've obviously, they've got lots of injuries at 10. Rob, losing Robbie Coleman's really, really hurt them. Um, let, let alone Nick Feeks, JP Eloff. I mean, it's like they've they've really, really got some problems here. Um, you know, Nate Osborne's coaching his butt off and, and pulling out games when he can. My instinct says Nola, but, you know, um, I, Houston have a shot. So I think, I, think, I, I would say this is going to be Nola. It's going to be... Um, you know, 24, 22 Nola, but I could go the other way. Yeah, we've got, I'm going Houston. So there you go. You found oh, one. There's a game you can pull there, back. There's a game I can pull back. Yeah, I, got, I just got some inside mail. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but... Uh, yeah, that's how it goes. Sabercats, rock solid this week. It's, uh, you know, lock it in. Lock it so, in. All right, next one up is Austin at New England. What do you think of this one? This is going to be an interesting game. Like Austin's one of these really tough, tough teams. Um, like I, I don't think they've played that well. They've got a very good defense. Um, they're really, really scrappy. They've got a you know good set piece. Um, but they're at New England. New England have a good, good home. I, I, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the with the Gilgronies here, the AGs. I'm gonna go with the AGs. How dare you? Now, yeah, yeah. What are you gonna go with? Austin. Always Austin. Always Austin. Always they're Austin. My, they're my Wesley Snipes. I'm always going for Austin. Always bet on Wesley Snipes. In any movie he's in, except the Expendables. I think he lost in that one. But the Blade series, he always wins. So bet on Wesley Snipes. All right. Uh, ATL at Toronto. At home. At ATL. At ATL. Uh, Toronto. I'll go first. Toronto. I think Toronto is going to um, I, I, I This is one of my – I'm really looking forward to this game. I think it's yeah, going to be a Yeah, me too. Game. I think I think like both teams, like neither teams are traveling. There'll be some familiarity. You, you know, I think I think it's going to be really good. Um, you can go with Toronto. Um, you know, I think Toronto should bounce back, but you know, you don't know. You know, they they've been pretty inconsistent. Um, ATL are going to come in fresh. I'm I'm going to go with ATL. I just wonder how the week's going to be at training there. Where it's like, so I was just saying, Toronto, they're at home, should make rugby ATL use your way locker room. You're like, oh, you're the away team. Walk across there. Go use hey, hey, uh, the cold. Fire and one. ice cup. Fire yeah. and ice cup. 
Yes, it's the Targaryens versus uh, the Starks. Little Game of Thrones reference, everyone there. Uh, by the way, just newsflash, the, the Targaryen story on HBO is going to be coming out here. They started filming, so can't wait for that one after the abysmal finish to Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Dan and Dave. Thanks for ruining one of the greatest shows in history. Yeah. All right. DC at Utah. Late game. Late game for DC. 10 o'clock. Their time kickoff here at Utah. That's hard. Um, um, Utah, like, like, um, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm going with the buy team every week. So I think Utah off the buy. I, I actually like Utah. I think they've got a great set piece. Um, they've got very explosive back three. Uh, um, yeah, I'll go with Utah. Yeah, Mikey, Mikey Tao is just playing <laughs> incredible every week. It's hard to bet against him, but I got three letters for you. Three letters. DTS. You know it. My man is back. My man is back. But, I can't but, wait. But where's he going to play? Fullback. Put him straight up fullback. Oh, De Bruyne has been playing pretty darn well at that position. Yeah, but they've kind of jumped around on the wing there a little bit. So I put – De Bruyne is young. He has his whole career ahead of him to, to have DTS back. And oh, this is like – so this is – you know, Dan, you're telling us what kind of coach you're going to be. You're going to be one of those – you know, if you were a coach of the team, you'd be like, experience really matters really matters like the experience on a, on a road game on a saturday night in utah yes it does it really matters and his combination with tours and and robo i put him back those three yeah that, i mean i mean it'd be an interesting matchup i mean a lot of it depends on on how fit he is like like you know whether he's going to hit the ground running but you're right i mean those would be two of the best back threes in the league i think Mate, he's a trainer at f45 in, in back in australia F45, the greatest gym in the world, I'll add. Adam Gilchrist, you're welcome, buddy. Uh, get an F45, get down there, get hey, fit. You know, my train. sister-in-law owns an F45 down in Jacksonville. Can you get her to ask Adam to come on the show? Yeah, I can get her. Well, Technically, yeah. she's a shareholder or a part I, owner in the company no, or something franchise, anyway. Franchise owner. I'll go DC. I'll go DC. I think uh, Utah is still a little uh, trending up. But there's just a couple of things in there that I think DC will capitalize. I like the style matchup here of DC against Utah. Yeah, so, yeah. Me too. Uh, LA at New York. Now this this could be a bit more of an interesting game than what you think. But what yeah, do you think? I, I mean, look, we we know against um, LA, you have to survive the first 20 minutes. If you can, like Houston did it, Toronto did it. If you can survive the first 20 minutes, that blitz, then you can be in the game. I think New York have the horses to do that. Like they've got the players and the athletes that can live with them. What I'm not sure about is I'm not sure that New York has the firepower over 80 minutes to score the number of points that they'll need to. I don't think they're like, I don't think because LA have a very good defense. I don't think New York gets past 30 and I think LA does. And so I think it's LA. Hey, scary Larry. He's I need you to put in your computer. What's Andy Ellis's record? for the All Blacks against Matt Gitto and Adam Ashley Cooper playing for the Wallabies. Punch that in for me, <laughs> message me and let me know because that might dictate how I pick this one. He won't let me know. He knows I'm just, just hovering behind. Actually, I think he uh, he pulled further ahead on the weekend, but it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, LA, I'll go for LA in this one. Just probably not going to pick against them until something uh, drastic happens. All right, last one, San Diego at Seattle. Crazy to think. Not even 18 months ago, this was our final in 2019, one of the best games oh, yeah. ever on CBS. And now we're looking at it and they're both at the bottom in the West. Um, 
I think Seattle will get this. I just think the attrition rate at San Diego is too high. Yeah, I, I, I key think, areas. I think, I think, so. I think, I think Seattle, you know, comes off their loss against New York, feeling like, hmm, we've 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 got some stuff going, right? We can, yeah. we can do it. Um, they've, you know, I, I I don't think Joyce is the long term solution at, at ten. It was interesting to see Shalom Sunir play a little bit of that at the end of the game um, yeah. when when Joyce came off. Um, you know, Ben Seema's out for eight weeks. So yeah, like, that's a tough they, loss. They, yeah, a tough loss. But I think their defense is getting better. We saw San Diego. They're not very explosive on attack. I think this is a low scoring game, but I think Seattle Seattle pulls it out. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Sorry, San Diego. Um, you did mention Seema out for eight weeks. Ruben de Haas has signed with Austin on a short-term deal. And that's, that's a, a big, that's a, big that's a, yeah. yeah, big pickup. Huge. Huge pickup. And Juan Manuel de Guzman is going to New York. Are we, are we so, actually going to see him play an MLR game? Because oh, he was announced with Seattle and never crossed. got to play. And, I mean, crossed. he's a good player. That's a huge pickup, I think, for New York. Like that kind of experience. The older, yeah. I mean, he's 37. Um, so you won't expect him to play that much for him. But I think, I think, think that. Think about the. Think about the the trickle down effect here. I talked about experience with young players. Ben Bonasso, a young Argentinian player yeah, there, yeah, yeah, legend. Like now he's kind of like you see all these people posing pictures with Matt Gitto and Adam Ashley Cooper. Like, oh, I grew up watching him, and I'm sure Gitzer and uh, and Ashley Cooper loved those photos of like, oh, right. yeah, making me feel old. Like this putting out a photo when someone's ten and they're like playing for the Wallabies, but. It has an effect. You're, you're playing with your heroes. You're playing with guys that you looked up to when you were a kid, and it's. I think it lifts you. You naturally get more out of you. So maybe that's the the remedy here for New York. So I think, I, I think that's right. And and before we move on, Dan, we we forgot our power matchups. Power matchup of the week is Brad Tucker versus his Achilles tendon. Is it healed? Can he go this weekend for Seattle against San Diego? They've really been missing the the big uh, right. the big ginge, the big fire truck well, in the my- middle there. My power matchup goes up to my like game of the week, the, the, the game I'm really looking forward to, which is Atlanta at Toronto. And it's yep. the two of the best sevens playing right now. They're both Canadian. So Matt Heaton versus Lucas Rumble. I think that's going to be a great matchup at the breakdown. They're both grafters um, and they'll know each other well. And I think that matchup is going to be important to, to determining who wins that game. Yeah, a lot of, lot of positive chat around Lucas Rumble. He deserves it. But Matt Heaton is the kind of guy that will take that personally, yeah. put it on his chest and have a huge game. So a uh, super competitive guy and, and he's going to want to stand up here. So that's a good one too, Pete. Always good. Well, mate, that, uh, that wraps up another show. 88 in the bag. We're done and dusted. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Any, any plans where you're going to be? What are you going to be? How are you going to be watching the game? Well, it's, um, well, I mean, this is like one of these weekends when I'm going to have to have the iPad on while I'm looking after my one-year-old and then like, but pretending that I'm not looking at it when my wife comes into the room. <laughs> that's going to have that's, to be- That's a that's challenge. That's, yeah, that's a challenge. So, and of course it's Mother's Day on Sunday. I'm sure you've got big plans. So- Huge. <laughs> Siri, my, my wife was like- Find a florist in Colorado. I, 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 my wife was like, I'm sure you've planned something, but don't make it too big. And I was like, oh, right. Definitely. Put it down. <laughs> I have to make some phone calls then and cancel some stuff. But thanks for letting me know. Uh, no, it's good to see that I'm just as bad as you are and vice are versa, you, Pete. Are, are, are you back calling games this weekend? Yeah, I'll have two, mate, on, um, on both on Saturday. So uh, Austin, New England, which will be a interesting game you're gonna have to you, like, i mean i mean you're gonna have to kind of like not be the fanboy 
No, no, don't worry. I don't, I'd, Yay, don't we won! Me. Oh, I mean, not we, Austin won. Yeah. Yes, we scored again. Take that, New England. So I'll be, I'll be blacked out. Boston's a tough town, man. I'm not going to get on the wrong side of Boston fans. I'll, uh, I'll tell, I've, I've watched The Departed. I didn't want none of that. So <laughs> I'm good to go on there. And then I'll have uh, our Fox game of the week too. So Old Glory and Utah. So yeah, that, 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 could, that could be like a huge thing. Uh, for you. Utah. Lots, the same. lots of coffee before that, before that last one. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Red Bull man. Thanks, Red Bull. Uh, Formula One racing and MLR commentary. So free case coming my way. No, that, uh, that does wrap us up. Aaron Castro, our producer, the professor, Pete Steinberg. I am Dan Power, and this has been the MLR kickoff. Episode 88 of MLR kickoff brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by the rugby shop.